Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is like towards the end of a paper Bible. Before we get to the text today, I want to share a little bit about a friend I have a friend, his name is Zach, Uh, his wife is Marlene. Here's a picture of Zach and Marlene, I actually married them, Uh, and they have become family friends. Uh, Zach and my youngest son go hunting, Uh, we just enjoy them uh, quite a bit, uh, and have gotten to know them and, and see their growth and just count them as a friend, and about four or five weeks ago, Zach came to me. And he was excited, and he said, hey, Steve, you'll never guess what. I got this new job, and we're going to be moving to Cape Canaveral, Florida. I got a job with a rocket company. Now, Zach's pretty smart, and uh, I was excited for about 10 seconds. I was like, that's awesome. And then after 10 seconds, internally I thought, but you're my friend, and you're moving, and that's not awesome. Have you ever had a friend transition? Just raise your hand. Yeah, many of us have, this is like the normal life thing, friend transitions happen. I can remember in high school, long ago, uh, I was a high school senior, this might not be your experience, but something as you're a high school senior, at least when I was, we, right before graduation, we gathered together and we were convinced that we were going to hang out for the rest of our lives. Right? It was going to be the tightest high school senior class ever. And then like six months later, you, you're talking to no one. Right? Just uh, Transitions of friends happen. Here at the church, I see this happen uh, fairly frequently. We have a thriving young adults ministry, which is a blessing that we have so many young people. And so they, they, they come in uh, early 20s, and it's like tight friendships. And then somebody finds somebody that they think they want to marry. And then they splinter off. And then they sometimes struggle with finding new friends because a life transition has happened, which means generally a friend transition happens. And that can be a struggle. Maybe a a disaster in your life, like a divorce. That is disastrous. They can split, splinter apart friend groups that you may have had for a long time. I remember I worked for a, a company before I worked here at the Vineyard for 19 years. You make a lot of friends when you work with them for 19 years. And it sort of felt like back in high school senior days, right? I told them I was leaving to come work at the Vineyard. And we, were, we all gathered together. And we're like, oh, we've been to you so much. We're going to be friends forever. Not so much. Now, maybe you've figured this whole friend thing out, but... What I'm starting to become more aware of is lasting friendships can be challenging to keep or find. We have a men's group, a men's program here at the Vineyard. We call it Better Man. And over the last uh, several weeks, we've gotten about 60 guys together. And and, uh, about three weeks ago, we talked about friends. How do we keep friends? How do we keep godly friends? How do we navigate uh, lasting friendships? And many of the guys were honest to raise their hand to say, it's hard. Like many of them did not have people that they could identify as friends. If you look at 
online, you, you can actually find a number of statistics. There's a, a, a survey done in 2021 that says the percentage of people who say they don't have a single close friend has quadrupled in 30 years. Looking further, the British Psychological Society in 2021 says friendship is the single most important thing affecting our psychological health and well-being. Look at this. As well as our physical health and well-being. Isn't that interesting? Like, I got the psychological part, but what about the physical health and well-being side? Well, if you dig further, this is what one of the physicians says. We don't tend to think about it this way, but loneliness is as toxic for our bodies, and researchers have found that it's actually as toxic as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you smoke 15 cigarettes a day, that's bad for you. Just heads up. But they equate that same health detriment to not having lasting friends. Friends are important. Scripture in the Bible would tell us that friends are important. We see Jesus asking disciples to follow him, just just a group of guys. They spend about three years with Jesus. Arguably, they are and have become close friends who stay in contact for quite some time. We look in other places in the Bible and it, it says this, Galatians 6.2 is a good example. It says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what friends do. Lasting friends carry one another's burdens. Life is hard. It's just good to have friends to help you out at those times. Proverbs 18.24, one who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The reality is sometimes when we develop really great friends that last, those friends stick closer than our family does. So we get it, right? Friends are important. And as I was thinking about this, I actually have a lot of friends. On Facebook, I have 4,400 friends. Right? And and actually, if I, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna pull up Facebook. You can actually do this, just a couple of, couple of clicks, right? Oh, look. Benny, I just friended him. I have another friend. I don't know these people. <laughs> Tiffany, we're now friends. I could do this all day long. Maria, friends, Greg, friends, Gwen, friends. I would argue that it, we're, we're redefining that I actually, so if I friended you, just be super kind and friend me back. <laughs> but I would argue we're living at a time where we're friend rich, right? We have redefined what the definition of a friend is and we can get a friend and a click, but that's really not the type of friends that we need. We need lasting friends, people that we can share life with, not fake life online. We need friends that can walk beside one another at challenging times. We need friends who can celebrate with us. And I'm not just talking if you're married about your spouse, but actually people who care deeply about you and those friendships can survive beyond transitions. We need those friends. So I'm asking myself this question. I wanna ask that you, you ponder this. How am I doing at finding and keeping lasting friendships. How are we doing with that? We're gonna do something this morning. It's, it's called, a, I call it a fist to five. 
It's a way to sort of quickly evaluate how you're doing. It's gonna be a little interactive. You don't have to say anything, but you're gonna rate yourself on this question. By raising your hand when I count to three and you're gonna give your, yourself a score of zero, which means you are terrible at finding and keeping lasting friends, or five, which means you are the best and have tons of lasting friends and you can give yourself a zero, one, two, three, four, or five. We're all gonna do it at the same time. Count of three, are you okay? Are we good? There's people in the room going, I've never done this in church. Are we gonna be okay? Yes, you'll be fine. Ready? Count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand. What do you got? Some of you are not even voting. I get it. Okay, you can put them down. So you are like me. It is, for some of you, you're doing great, amazing, perfect, but still plug into this message because it can be challenging to keep lasting friends. Some of you need help like I do. And so I want to remind us that we are in this series called Friendology. We're trying to do relationships God's way. And today I want to focus in this this letter that Paul writes at church that would help us find and keep lasting friends. Now I want to give you a little context so you know that I'm not using these verses out of context from scripture. There's, There's a guy who's started a church in a relationally challenging city called Thessalonica. Paul started this church, planted it. And and he's starting to hear that they're struggling a little bit, struggling especially with with relationships. And he writes them actually a couple of letters. We're going to read it from the first. And at the end of his first letter, you get this sense that he really wants them to relationally connect. And so he writes this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Those five verses seem sort of easy to pick apart what we could use to encourage one another, but I really want to go a little deeper than the surface. So before we do that, and we explore the things that I'm learning, let's pray. Will you pray with me? So Father, we, we really, many of us in the room, have realized or are starting to realize at the beginning of this message that we need lasting friends. Some of us are struggling with that. And so I pray during this message, God, that you would open our hearts, our eyes, and our minds. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak and move and we'll do our best to follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the back of your program, a couple of things to write down. Here's what I see in this text, in this letter from Paul. Lasting friendships are built on exceptional encouragement. Exceptional encouragement. I just killed a fly. Sorry, tangent. Exceptional encouragement. This seems really obvious because if we look at the text, the text says this, Paul's writing, he says, therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Now, to give you a little more context of what Paul is doing here, we can actually read 
about the church that he planted. It's in the book of Acts, but what happens is Paul spends about four weeks in the town of Thessalonica, and and he goes to the synagogue, which is like the, the church, the Jewish church there, and he argues regularly for people to follow Jesus. And he's seeing no fruit. People are arguing with him. It's challenging. And after about three or four weeks, he just gives up arguing in the synagogue, goes to the, the house next door, and the house next door is filled with a couple people, and they actually start to believe in Jesus. And it's encouraging, but it's this little just pile of people in the middle of this city that's relationally challenging. And so you've got this church plant that Paul's writing back in this challenging city, and he says, encourage one another. And when I thought of that, I was like, oh, I start to see this, and what has encouragement looked like in my life? And I made this sort of distinction, this thought, because the first thing that came to my mind was when I worked at a hospital before I worked here, we had a whole bunch of staff, and we wanted to encourage one another. We were in a season where we needed more encouragement, and so we started this thing called Above and Beyond Cards. I, I'm not sure that they do. This was a number of years ago. They probably don't do this anymore. But here's what it was. That there were these little cards. It was like a quarter of a piece of paper. On the front of it, it said Above and Beyond, and on the back of it, you were supposed to write this kind note and send it to another staff member when you saw them doing something amazing. And so we, <clears throat> we implemented this, and for the first three or four weeks, it, it sort of, it was nice, right? You'd, you'd get these notes, and after you got like, I forget what it was, like 10 of them, you could turn them in for a coffee or a trinket, I forget what it was. But you would get these notes, and, and they were thought through, and it was great. But after about a month, what I noticed is people would send notes that said, way to go. Way to go? For what? Like, oh, great job. And what I realized was, that's really, I mean, that's kind, but I'm not sure it's encouragement. It's not exactly what we were hoping for. In Scripture, let me, let me dive into this a little deeper. Paul's writing the church, Thessalonica, and he says, encourage Everyone, and and if you dig into the context of that word encourage and the way he used it, the definition is this, to urge strongly, to appeal to, to urge, to exhort. I think that's an interesting definition. It's not one that I expected. I expected it to be to build one another, like give them encouragement, tell them great things, like, happy things. It didn't. And I think what it, what's the core word of encouragement? Courage. What encouragement is supposed to do is it's supposed to exhort. It's supposed to push us along. It's supposed to give us courage when we're low on courage. It's supposed to keep us in the fight, whatever the fight is. Paul uses that same word in the same context when he and someone else miraculously break out of prison. They they were locked up and God shows up and does something amazing. But Paul, before he leaves, does something to encourage someone. Look at this, Acts 16. He says, after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house. This woman that had 
done some pretty amazing things where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, then they left. It's such a small, like it's, it's easy to miss the detail here. Paul and Silas could have left or could have just said, hey, go tell Lydia that she's doing a great job. But instead, they went to the house, they gathered people, and they, I can only imagine they would have shared what miraculous thing happened in jail and what God is doing and how they should stay in the fight. It's worth it. They gave them courage. It reminded me this week, I, I got a letter in the mail here at the church. Here's a picture of the letter. I'm not going to read it, but it's like, look how many words it is. It had like little, whoever wrote it, very fine handwriting, very little print. But it was about a meeting that I had with someone four years ago. Four years ago. And we sat down and we talked and we prayed and they were updating me from that point in the decision that they had to make four years ago. Do you know how encouraging that was to receive? Versus an above and beyond card that just said thanks? That's encouragement. When I think of encouragement, I, I want to give us four practical or three practical things you can, you can write down when we're trying. Because encouragement, if we become exceptional encouragers, we will help our relationships. We could find good, lasting friends or we could keep them. And so when I'm thinking about this, when I think about that letter, when I think about the letter that Paul writes all the churches, you could read this, I see some things that are happening. Here's what I see. Exceptional encouragement means you see me, you can fill us in, you see me in my situation. You see me in my situation. There's, there's empathy there. You know what's going on. You actually physically see it. Paul, when he went to Lydia's house, he went to the house. He saw her. He, he, it wasn't a drive-by. Next thing I see is you say what I'm doing right. You want to be an exceptional encourager? Tell people what they're doing right. We live at a time that is really easy to criticize. If you're married, these are really good tips as well. You say what I'm doing right. The third is you share feedback so I can keep going. Feedback, notice I didn't say you share criticism. Sometimes we're good at that. We, oh, I see you, you're doing these things right, but let me chop your legs off and tell you all the things you're doing wrong. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul did. You can, you can read Paul's letters, he does this. He, he writes them and he, he says, I see you, I see what you've done, it's amazing. You're doing all these good things. Now here's some things to give you courage to continue on the great fight. That's what exceptional encouragers are. They give you more courage. The outcome is this. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another and build each other up. You become an exceptional encourager. You will build those around you up, and the world so needs that. Your friends need it. This wasn't the first time that Paul writes about building 
each other up. He wrote another letter to another church, and he says this. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Stop. I don't want to go on. Do you realize that your words have power? And when you let words fly out of your mouth, you are actually trying to destroy the very thing that God built up. Our words have power. And so Paul's writing the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We have to become, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, exceptional encouragers. How often do we need to do that? Let's look at Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another once a year. No, it says daily. Daily. This should be a habit. It should be frequent. So I want you to think back over the last week at all the interactions you had, all the people that you met with. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's somebody at school. And I want you to think of their faces. Who needs encouragement this week? Because likely, there's a couple hundred people in the room, likely you ran across someone that needs encouragement. So here's what I want us to do today. There's a question. I want you to actually fill out the name. Who do I need to encourage today? Fill their name out. It's like interactive. You can do that now. Notice I said today. Not this week. Today. Because we're supposed to be doing this daily. So some of you after service, my prayer is going to be that you, you text that person. You call that person. You talk to them and encourage them. That's how we develop or find lasting Friends, lasting friendships are built on exceptional encouragement. Before I move to the second point, during worship, I was uh, over here, I sat down and I prayed because I realized that there are some people in the room, when I talk about encouragement, you have not been encouraged. No one has encouraged you. And so I sat down uh, in the corner and I asked uh, as, as I was praying, I just said, Lord, can you give me some specifics? Who in the room needs encouragement? I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I, I, I'm going to pray because I think I, I heard maybe a few. And so I'm just going to pray for you. And you'll know if it's for you. So let's pray. So God, I pray for those in the room. What came to mind is... Uh, Someone or there are people in the room you have been fighting for your marriage and you have not received encouragement or anything in reciprocal. Like you have just been fighting and fighting and fighting and you feel alone and you are discouraged. So in the name of Jesus, I pray encouragement back into your life. God has seen every time that you have cried, that you have worked, that you have done everything that you could think of, and God has seen that, and he honors that. And so God, would you give them courage? And then I, as, as I was praying, I, I wrote down, no one realizes, this is for a different group of people, no one realizes the work you have been doing. You have been cooking, changing diapers, and then the, the next one, this could be a different group of people, your, your office environment, your work environment is toxic. 
and you're not in an environment that uh, would build you up. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that that flips, that you realize that God is with you and that God is trying to encourage you. And so I pray that your eyes shift from man's encouragement to God's. Sometimes we're focused on, why didn't that person give me an above and beyond card, a kiss, a handshake, a thank you? And so I pray we become people that look to God for encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to move to the second thing. To find lasting friendships or to build on it is this, eliminating scorekeeping. Eliminating scorekeeping. We can become exceptional encouragers but still keep score. In, in the text this morning, verse 15 says this, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Any scorekeepers in the room? <laughs> nobody, okay, hang with me. Here's what scorekeeping is. <clears throat> this uh, last week, my wife uh, on Wednesday got a call and somebody needed something it was sort of late at night, and so my wife was like, yep, I'll go. And she took my car. Now, she doesn't drive my car very often. That's fine. She can take my car whenever because she's amazing. And she takes my car, uh, runs the errand, comes back. It's later at night. And she very kindly, as she walked in, she said, Steve, when you get up in the morning, you might need some gas. V seriously, super helpful. Thank you. And so I got up the next morning, had a bunch to do, got in my car, uh, and uh, my gas light was on, which is fine. And my car doesn't, do you have those distance to empty things? My car doesn't, it's not very intuitive on how to tell how many miles I have left. And so I don't blame my wife for this, but she, like you, you gotta know what you're doing. So I uh, went to find out how many miles I had left and this is sort of what I saw. It's not a lot of miles. <laughs> we don't live next door to the gas station. <laughs> right, and I, I, I don't blame my wife, but here's, uh, I try not to scorekeep, but, but here's what would have happened if I'm a scorekeeper. You know what, next time I drive her van, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna drive that thing empty. If it's on empty, I'm gonna go around the block one time. That would be bad. If I did that, I would not be developing a great friendship with my wife. Do you get that? We cannot be scorekeepers or pay back wrong for wrong. You know who are scorekeepers in the Bible? The Pharisees. They followed Jesus around. The very person that they had been praying for to come, he was right there. He was preaching, doing great miracles. He was doing amazing things, yet they were following and going, you know what? He's, uh, he's preaching on the Sabbath, I don't like that. He's pulling grain, don't like that. He's saying stuff we don't like. And they kept keeping score and arguably they missed the greatest point of all time. They should have been his friend. So you can write this down. Scorekeeping finds winners and losers instead of developing friends. Scorekeepers finds winners and losers. That's not what friends do. And I would argue that keeping score in relationships is a quick path to relational misery. It's a constant reminder of the negative aspects of a relationship and how you're going to pay the person back. It tears down the very fabric of friendship that God has put in place. And who am I to keep score? Jesus Christ 
does not keep score with me. Who are we to keep score with other people? And the best thing to do is eliminate scorekeeping by living a a life of forgiveness and repentance. If you want to know anything about that, listen to last week's message. She gets it. Pastor Mark preached a great message last week about that. Paul goes on in our text today. Not only don't keep score, but he says this, but always strive, always. Everybody say always. Always strive to do what is good for each other, for everyone else, always. Whoa, that's tough. Just being honest, there are annoying people in the world. Does anybody know anybody that's annoying? Anybody come with anybody that's annoying? (laughs) You're not supposed to put your hands up. You're keeping score. All joking aside, Paul's writing in the church in an environment that is struggling. And he writes this. He says, we urge you, brothers and sisters, look at this. And he sort of lists the things that are easy to keep score on. He says, don't keep score. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone, even the annoying people. Do you know why? Because we live in a small world. In this community, we've got, what, 100, 150,000 people. Sounds like a whole bunch, but it is not. You live in this community long enough, you're going to bump into people again and again. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, my wife and I went to a conference in Columbus, Ohio. It was not a vineyard conference, but we just got out of town, went to this conference. And so I went to a, a breakout in the Midwest region. A whole bunch of people there. Midwest region breaks out. It's like five states. And uh, so we're up and a whole bunch of people around me. First thing we're supposed to do is introduce ourselves to the person beside us. Well, the person beside me is a nun, which is fine. (laughs) So I start, hi, I'm Steve, hi. And and, uh, uh, she goes, yeah, I'm a nun from the Sisters of St. Francis. We have a convent, right? And so I'm asking her, don't we have a convent in Mishawaka? She's like, oh, that's my boat. That's where I started. I'm in Fort Wayne. And within one minute, we realized that we have mutual friends that come to the Vineyard Church. In Columbus, Ohio, the world is small. Which means that person that cut you off on the way to church this morning. <laughs> what if they're the friend that you'll find in two years. Or the person that annoys you at work, you absolutely cannot stand them. What if something in your life or their life brings you both together and they're the lasting friend that you're supposed to have? Or what if your neighbor, oh, not that guy. (laughs) Right, what if your neighbor is the one that God has designed to be one of your best lasting friends. You want to make and keep friends? Strive to do good for everyone. It's a lot better than keeping score. Lasting friendships are built on exceptional encouragement and eliminating scorekeeping. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.